What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 29, and this week, a lot of stuff went down. Where do we start? How about we start on August 13, 2020, which is when I'm recording this podcast. Just minutes ago, the Dodgers beat the Padres 11-2 to split a four-game series against the San Diego Padres. Now, when I was thinking about turning this podcast on earlier today, I was kind of upset. I was frustrated. The Dodgers lost two consecutive games to the Padres. In game three, they won 6 nothing, And I was finally going to admit that, hey, I might be a little, just a tad bit scared of the San Diego Padres. And then game four happened, the rubber match. And Dodgers win 11-2. But not only did they win 11-2, Mookie Betts had a day. He hit three home runs. And man, I am sad that there are cardboard boxes or fans in the stands because a standing ovation, it was going to be Chills City. Goose bumps when he got a curtain call. This is the sixth time in this man's career he's homered three times. He's 27 years old. Let me give you a stat. He's just the third player in Major League history. To have six career three homer games. The other guys, Johnny Mize and Sammy Sosa. I'm going to pull up a stat for you guys that might blow your mind. Ryan Spader, of course, the man on Twitter, the best stat guy out there. The stat goes like this. Mookie Betts ties the major league record with six career three homer games. He's 27 years old, like I mentioned, 311 days old, to be specific. The two others that have six career three-homer games, they did it when Johnny Mize was 37 years old, 251 days, when Sammy Sosa had his sixth career three-homer game when he was 33 years old, 271 days. Mookie, again, I want to say, 27 years old. The Dodgers gave him a $365 million contract to play in Los Angeles for the next 12 years, and we are going to see that on display quite often. That's the dude they paid. And today he showed up. Three other guys homered. Austin Barnes hit a home run. Can you believe it? The guy that always seems to come up with runners on base and hit the ball straight into the ground. So they split the four games with the San Diego Padres. The Rockies have been on top of the NL West. But the Padres have this new swagger. And I love it, to be honest. I love when that new team comes around And has a little pep in their step thinking it's their time. Let me tell you right now. It's not. It's not your time. And I don't know when it's going to be your time. With the core the Dodgers have in place. But I like it. Because every slide into second. Means a little bit more. Every at bat. Has a little more significance. And there's a dude who's going to be on the Padres. For probably the next 10-15 years. If they're smart and they lock him up. I heard there's rumors there's already extensions talk happening to lock up Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the most talented players in Major League Baseball. Shortstop phenomenal. I will rave about him all day. But he's my public enemy, number one. Even last week when we played the Padres, he had a slide at home, got up, started chirping to Austin Barnes. 
And I said, all right, this is the guy. He's their new motor. He gives them that swagger that they probably needed the last 10 years or so. Remember when the Diamondbacks were the team in the NL West? Kind of pushing the, pushing the Dodgers a little bit, giving them a team to think about. And they were chirping. They got mad when we jumped in their pool. And that's what happens. When you're the top dog in a division, every team's gunning for you. And I'm happy I have a new team to despise. The Padres were just the Padres over the last couple of years. Not a couple of years, let's be honest. Probably the last decade. Oh, San Diego. When the Dodgers go down there, they sell out the entire stadium. It's Dodger Stadium of the South. We own that place. They own Dodgers own every away stadium. And the Rockies, they've been on the hills of the Dodgers the last couple years. Remember game 163 they took us to? But were the Rockies really a threat? We didn't have too many beefs with them. But the Rockies are the Rockies. They don't really have the horses, the pitching staff. They play in Coors Field. It's unfortunate. I love Aaron Otto. I won't hate that guy. But the San Diego Padres are the new team, and I'm happy about it. I'm truly happy that this is going to team going to be the team that's going to kind of push the Dodgers a little bit. And they have a good pitching staff. I know they have a good farm system. They got a pitcher named Mackenzie Gore. By all accounts, it's going to be a hell of a left-handed pitcher in the major leagues one day. And then you got Tatis, Machado, you got Grisham, Will Myers, Hosmer. They got a good team. But it's not your time. Take a seat. Keep chirping because I like it. I love nothing more than the benches chirping and a possible bench-clearing brawl happening at any moment. So I like the pep in your step, but let's remember who has won the last seven NL West Division titles. But I'm happy for it. I'll give you a pat on the back. So I'm just a tad bit scared. Not really, though. We see when the Dodgers' bats are alive what they can do. We see when their bullpen is on point how dominant they can be. Yesterday's game, when they won 6-0, bullpen came out and pitched four and a third scoreless innings. Gross. Jansen pitched great. Brewster, Bazooka, Gratterall is my guy. And Manny Machado, you got to feel bad for him. Pitching Ninja, the follower on Twitter, follow him. He just has pitch sequences of guys getting absolutely embarrassed. And Manny Machado has been on that video for about the entire week, it seems like. Dustin May got him twice. And then Brewster last night on three consecutive pitches made him look silly. He's been on skates. So that's all I have to say about the Padres. I texted my buddy probably a week and a half ago, Kyle Slowey. I just sent out a little feeler. I said, hey, should I be afraid of the Padres? It's new territory. They've never posed a threat. I wasn't going to take it public, but I'll say I'm a little bit scared. But we know how good the Dodgers are capable of being. So I had to start the podcast with Mookie Betts' three-homer game. And man, I wish fans were there. I wish I was in attendance to have Mookie Betts' first curtain call. Because it would have been a hell of a moment. Now let's get into what happened this week in the sports world. Kind of big news. College football. You cannot possibly take away college football from me. I need my Saturdays in the fall. There's nothing better. I'm crazy. 
You might not be one of the crazy ones that wakes up at 6 a.m. to watch College Game Day. It's the only pregame show in all of sports worth watching, but I do it. And then once 9 a.m. hits that first kickoff, I don't care if it's Maryland, Indiana. I don't care if it's Kentucky, Louisville. I'm cracking my first beer at 9 a.m. and I'm going full throttle to that late night Pac-12 game and still drinking. And why do I love Saturdays? Because on Sunday you could wake up, remember if you can remember to set your lineup in fantasy football, and watch NFL games hungover. But everyone knows Saturday is college football day and you don't got to worry about how bad your hangover is the next day. And I'm on record saying I like college football more than the NFL. The rivalries, the pageantry, the bands, it's all there. So this week, on Tuesday, the Big Ten and Pac-12 decided to postpone their college football seasons. It was their decision. Commissioner of the Big Ten, commissioner of the Pac-12, for whatever reason, hopefully it's for the safety of the players, they said, no, we're postponing the season. Now, when you think of college football, you immediately think of the NCAA, but we haven't heard a single peep from the NCAA. Not at all. We only hear from them when they lay down the law, when they're putting their foot down on improper benefits, whether or not a kid can transfer or he has to sit out a year, it's bogus. Anything we hear about the NCAA, not good. So they're not the ones making the decisions. The people that hold the power are the commissioners or the Power Five conferences. And for years we've heard, will the Power Five conferences just distance themselves from the NCAA? Branch off, create their own entity. And now we have the conferences going separate ways. So if you thought that was going to happen, probably not. Because two of the top Power Five went this way. And then you have the Big 12, SCC, and the ACC saying, nope, we're playing the season. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, is confident. He went on Dan Patrick this week, was more confident than ever that saying, hey, we have a plan. We pushed our season back to September 26th. We have no full contact practices going on right now. We're putting our heads down. We're having a season. And it's a tricky situation. A lot of these schools have kids coming back on campus. So these commissioners probably think, hey, if students are coming back on campus... Why not have our football season go on? And I don't know who's right and wrong with these decisions. Maybe it doesn't work out for the other three conferences that are going forward, but I'm happy about it because we will still have football. And it's selfish of me, I know, but we will still have football on Saturdays. And we're going to have some good teams still left. The college football playoff can still happen with the likes of Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, Blue Bloods. I like what Steve Spurrier came out and said. He said, hell, just let the ACC and SEC play out their seasons. They're the two teams that are going to probably play for the national championship anyways. So there's hope. Will I miss the Pac-12 and Big Ten? I will, I'll admit. I'm a big USC fan. I know the down years have happened over the last couple years. So I'll miss rooting for him, but I'll find another team. I fell in love with Georgia football a couple years back in 2017 when I went to the Rose Bowl. College football runs in the blood of those people in the South. So I'm going to be all about them dogs. But I thought it was an interesting nugget 
from Dan Patrick this week. He said on Monday, the announcement was coming from the Big Ten and Pac-12 on Tuesday. But he said this. It's an interesting wrinkle. He said the Pac-12, I hear, doesn't want to be the first team or the first conference to postpone their season. Because the last couple of years, the Pac-12 has been considered the soft conference out of the Power Five. Yeah, they have an Oregon, an occasional UW. SC's been down. Those teams kind of throw their name in the hat to potentially play in the college football playoff. But towards the end of the season, their resume is not good enough. They may stumble against a Washington State or Oregon State, and there goes their chances. So the Big Ten and Pac-12 are married. They're in bed together. You do know that the Rose Bowl, every single year on January 1st, it's the Big Ten champion versus the Pac-12 champion. So I'm guessing the Pac-12 called the Big Ten up and said, hey, we're not going to go forward with this. We, can, we know we can trust you guys to just take the hit for us. Be the first team to call off, postpone the season. Tell people we might be able to play a spring football season, maybe start it in January or March, but just you guys be the first one because we don't want to be the first conference. We're already considered soft. So Dan Patrick broke that news. I thought it was very interesting. But I do not know what's right or wrong who knows? We're up in the air. Every sport's up in the air still. The NBA has their bubble. It's working out great. NHL, bubble, great. The other sports not in bubbles? MLB? Let's face it. They're going forward with it. But the St. Louis Cardinals, if you don't know, they have a record, overall record of 2-5. and five. They played five games, while the rest of the teams have played 20-plus. How they're going to make up those games, I don't know. But then there's layers to this college football thing. The first tweet that came out when the Big Ten made their announcement was from Justin Fields, quarterback of Ohio State. Most likely the front runner for the Heisman Trophy other than Trevor Lawrence. He's a big name. His first tweet was SMH, shaking my head. So then you think about it for a minute and you go, man, I feel bad for Justin Fields. He's going to lose out on this season. He's a Heisman candidate. Can he possibly transfer? Well, the NCAA, because that's when they'll stick their head out. They'll put their nose in it and say, oh, you want to transfer? We'll make that decision. So can Justin Fields transfer to maybe an LSU? They just lost Joe Burrow. You know Ed O is going to make that call. And there's rumors out there that next week, that information will come out. The NCAA will meet their committee and they're going to make their decisions on whether players from the Pac-12 and Big Ten will be able to transfer to one of these other three conferences. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know three conferences is enough to have a college football playoff, especially with the powerhouse teams they have. The NCAA did say something. Mark Embert, I don't even know what he looks like. I just know his name. He's the president or chairman or whatever for the NCAA. He said all fall championships are canceled except the FBS, college football. College football is king. And the NCAA knows it's the moneymaker. 
So that's the only thing we've heard from them. That college football is going forward. All other sports in the fall, canceled. We're going to get college football. And I hope it works because I need my Saturdays. And if I don't get my late night Pac-12 games, when I'm itching to throw in a bet to make back the money I lost all goddamn day, that's fine by me. Because I'll still be up at 9 a.m. I'll still be watching college game day. And I'll still be rooting for the Georgia Bulldogs. Because that's my team. I could take off a year of USC football. Hasn't been great anyways. So that's the news that's out there about the NCAA. And it's fluid. You're going to hear a lot more. But just know that we still have hope that college football will happen in the fall and Pac-12 and Big Ten, they can figure it out. If we get two college football seasons, one in the fall and one in the spring, I'm all for that. I just hope everyone's safe, everyone stays healthy, but I need football. Now let's move on to the NBA. Today was the biggest day in the NBA bubble. It was for the play-in. Who was going to be the eight and nine seeds in the Western Conference to have their play-in games and have the gift of playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round? Now, if you watch the Lakers in the bubble, it hasn't been pretty, but that's what the tune-up games have been for. Work out the kinks. They locked up the number one seed the third game in, so they've been giving guys minutes. A little bit too much Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith for me personally. But it is what it is. They lack guard depth. Alex Caruso, I talked about it last week on the podcast. He's the guy right now. He has to step up along with Kyle Kuzma. Along with Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee. They got to pick up the slack. But Anthony Davis and LeBron James are still there. So who do the Lakers want to play? If you're a Laker fan... Who do you want to play in the first round? Because the play-in game is official. It's the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday. The Grizzlies fell out of the 8th seed. They're in the ninth seed. They have to beat Portland twice to play the Lakers. And I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. As good as John Morant has been this year. The odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Hell of a talent. Going to be great in the league for years to come. But he can't do it alone. They lost Jaron Jackson Jr. They lost Justice Winslow. They ain't beating the Blazers, I don't even think, one time. And then you look at the Blazers. Do the Lakers really want to play that guy named Damian Lillard? This past week, he dropped 50. And then he came out again against the Dallas Mavericks in a must-win game. And he dropped 61, tying his career high. And he said, put some respect on my fucking name. Like we didn't already have respect for Damian Lillard. If you're a basketball fan, he's one of your favorites. There's dogs, and then there's dogs. Damian Lillard is a fucking dog. And that's someone that I think could be the best player in any series. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, he can outplay those guys and be the best guy in a series. And we've seen it in the NBA that the best player in a series can find a way to win. And they got talent. They can match up with the Lakers one through five. Gary Trent Jr., a fellow Dookie, shout out to him. He's been out of this world in the bubble, like most guys that we've seen. I mean, he doesn't miss. 
And then you've got Carmelo Anthony, another fan favorite. Three to the dome. Best celebration of any three-point shot there's ever been in NBA history. They got Jerkic, they got Zach Collins, and they got C.J. McCollum. And what did I just say just two minutes ago? The Lakers lack depth at the guard position with Rondo out, Avery Bradley opting out. Alex Caruso ain't going to be the one to stop Damian Lillard. And if you even get a hold of Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum's another guy that could go off. The Lakers have a hell of a matchup if it's the Portland Trailblazers that go on to play them in the first round. But it could be a good thing. Because if the Lakers were to play the Memphis Grizzlies in a first-round playoff matchup, they could basically sleepwalk through that thing. And you kind of want a team to get them ready for the next round, which might be a matchup against the Houston Rockets. And we don't know that there's uncertainty about whether Russell Westbrook is injured or if he's going to play in the playoffs. But the Lakers need to be ready for that. We know the Houston Rockets could get buckets. So if you're a fan, do you want the Lakers to play that Blazers team? I said last week, I think the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James can probably beat the Blazers. But the Blazers will push them to the brink, and I think that's what the Lakers need. They need a kick in the ass. Sleepwalking through the Grizzlies to a matchup with the Houston Rockets ain't going to do it. So I want them to play the Portland Trail Blazers. Selfishly, yes. There's no bigger draw right now than Damian Lillard. And for him to go against the Lakers, I'll tell you right now, that one first eighth seeding game or playoff series will be probably one of the most watched series we have. I'm ready for it. And I want to say shout out to the Phoenix Suns. I never met a Phoenix Suns fan in my life, but I'm feeling for you today. You guys went 8-0 in the bubble and couldn't find a way to get into the playoffs, to get into that playoff, play-in game. You needed a lot of stuff to happen today, and it clearly did not. And Devin Booker, if they're giving out bubble awards, I think he would finish probably second to Damian Lillard for MVP. And there's already whispers. Draymond Green got fined last week for going on inside the NBA and saying, get, he, get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. And I've never been a part of that, but that's got to suck when you're a fan of a team and people are already talking about your star player dipping out on you. But shouts to the Suns and whatever Suns fans there are out there. I know there's a couple. They were good in the early 2000s. They had their little rivalry with the Lakers. I remember it like it was yesterday. And Kobe ended up shitting on you guys. But that's rough. And if you want to talk about the other LA team, the Clippers are going to take on the Dallas Mavericks in the first round playoffs, and that's going to be something. You want an upset pick for the first round? I would say go with the Dallas Mavericks over the Los Angeles Clippers. Because we haven't seen the Los Angeles Clippers put it all together. And Luka Doncic is another guy that could be the best player in a playoff series. So that's what I got for the NBA. Laker fans, make your decision. Do you want the tougher matchup with the Portland Trail Blazers, which there's a slim chance there's guys out there. Chris Haynes, writer for Yahoo, sideline reporter for TNT. He came out before the bubble and said, hey, if the Blazers get in, watch out. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated said, Blazers are my pick if they get in to go to the finals. Charles Barkley 
Take it with a grain of salt. Said the Blazers can knock the Lakers out in the first round. So it's nothing new. I'm not the first one to say this. But I want them to play the Blazers, get a kick in the butt, and go on the quest for another championship. So that's NBA talk. I'm fired up. Next week, we got playoffs. We got seven-game series. None of this bubble eight-game tune-up shit anymore. Fire me up. The NFL. What's the news there? This is kind of weird. And it might be... This actually took me back a second and said, am I too big of a sports fan? I went to bed last night and dreamt. Swear to God, dreamt that George Kittle got a contract extension. And I woke up this morning to an ESPN notification on my phone that says George Kittle signed a five-year, $75 million deal or whatever it was. So I don't know what kind of deja vu that was. I'm not a 49ers fan. I do like George Kittle. He's a hell of an interview. I don't have any fantasy ties to the guy. But that was just weird. Also in the NFL, Hard Knock started, one of my favorite shows. That's when you know football season's right around the corner. And the first episode came out this Tuesday. This year, it's the edition of Los Angeles. They're both filming the Rams and Chargers. And the first episode was blank. Not much. What I took from it, I thought it was funny when all the players showed up on the first day and had to do the cotton swab in their nose to get tested for coronavirus. And every single one of those dudes were scared. And I don't blame them. I haven't got tested, but I don't want anything going in my nose. But those guys who play in the NFL, head-on collision course, day in and day out, were scared to do it. And I thought it was hilarious. Some guys literally did not want anyone or anything going in their nose. And then there was the scene where Sean McVay is trying to set up a practice facility with social distancing, how the lockers are going to be this year with plexiglass in between, six feet apart. It was a lot of COVID talk. But if I was going to take anything from that first episode, it's that I want to have a beer with the Los Angeles Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn. He is that dude. They had him out there barbecuing. He had a cigar in. He said, yeah, that's what I do. I like to have a couple pops, throw stuff on the grill, and just kick back. And he had a Zoom call with all of his players before they met for training camp. I thought that part was pretty cool. They were asking questions, how protocols were going to be. He just seems like a player's coach. Not a Charger fan, but that dude, I'll root for him. And it turns out he actually had coronavirus. So it's good to see him healthy. I don't know how the season's going to be because I don't think we're going to get the scrimmages that we usually see when teams like to fight with their helmets on. I usually get fired up for that. I don't know why. We usually get one-on-one matchups, position battles. I don't know what we're going to get. It's going to be new and it's going to be interesting. And, and, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this right now. It's going to be my new thing. I don't know what his name is, but the botch of the week. We're going to go botch of the week. A Seattle Seahawks cornerback was released. You might ask why a lot of people get released during training camp. Yeah, this one was different. He flew one of his chicks in to meet him at the hotel during training camp. You might have been able to get away with that. Actually, you probably won't ever get away with that in the NFL because we've seen on past hard knocks 
how locked down they are with curfews during training camp. But yes, during coronavirus, this guy, I don't even know his name. I just saw the update. I'll probably read deeper into the story. But yep, couldn't handle it. One of the early days of training camp. Flew in a chick during a pandemic and got released from the team. How do you explain that to family and friends? I don't know. But I'm sure a lot of his friends right now are calling him stupid, calling him an idiot. So that's the botch of the week. That's that's what I got for you. Other sports news, hockey's going on. I didn't really follow the first round series. I think it was five game series to see who was going to get in to the 16 tournament, whatever, Stanley Cup playoff. I'll probably get into it a little bit later. It's hard for me. Both teams, the Anaheim Ducks and the Los Angeles Kings, weren't good enough to even qualify to be one of the 22 teams to play in the bubble in Canada. So maybe, maybe during the conference finals, I'll jump in. Stanley Cup final, I will. I think it's one of the best things out there. It's the best trophy, and I'll get into it then. But that's all I got for you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast. This weekend, the Dodgers taking on the Angels. And that's what I'll end it on. The Angels, man. I I think I'm getting more upset at the Angels this year than my Dodgers. Because where I work, they don't have the Dodger channel. And I work around a lot of Angel fans in Orange County. So usually the Angel game is on TV. And Trout just had his first kid. Congratulations to him. And since he's returned, I think he's hitting 351 with seven home runs and 14 RBIs. It seems like he hits a home run every day. So I've seen a handful of Angel games this past week. I think he hit two homers against the A's and a 10-9 win. And the Angels just can't figure out a way to win. This guy's hitting home runs left and right. He's making baseball look easy, which no one should ever be able to do. He's making baseball look way too easy. Even last year when I went to games, I went to nine Angel games to see this guy live in person. And every game I went to, it seemed like he hit a home run. And he's continuing to show why he's the greatest player on the planet, why he's worth every single penny. And the Angels just don't have the pitching to back it up. And it's a shame. So I'm excited to see him take on the Dodgers for three games. I'm calling a sweep because we got Kershaw, we got Bueller, and then we got May. Three Clydesdales taking on... Does anyone know a starting pitcher on the Angels? I know Dylan Bundy's been great for them. Hopefully he pitches this weekend. Hopefully he pitches all three games. Because they need to win more. But this weekend, I'm chalking it up right now. It's a sweep for the Dodgers. Hopefully Trout doesn't hit any bombs against us. And hopefully Mookie Betts stays hot. I'm fired up for the freeway series. I hope you guys are too. So thanks for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 and on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore seven i'm out Woo! go dodgers